I think every one of us recognizes the importance of having a sense of well-being. And often there are factors that become very important for us of when we feel safe, secure, and comfortable. For little children, possibly even you and Nori at this age, but certainly younger than them, if mom and dad are there, there is a sense of comfort and security. Probably even more so if mom's there. Uh, to where they feel secure in the arms of that mother's love. For some individuals, it's the security they have and the temporal things they possess, that they're convinced that they have all that's necessary to take care of whatever problem or need that they might have. And we know far too well that there are times that things happen to individuals and they find out that temporal things are not able to really help. When we go into some place new and different, the unknown can shake us. Kids going off to college, we may hide it, but there's apprehensions that are there. Fears, what are my classes going to be like? What kind of people am I going to meet? The unknown for how things will be for me in this new environment. For a man that many of you know, at least by name, J. Vernon McGee, flying was an unsettling experience for him. And every time that he could, he made sure he could drive wherever he was going to minister instead of flying. And when he was asked the question as to why he was so concerned about flying, his answer was because Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. He never said, Hi, I am with you always. And so he was much more comfortable with ground transportation than he was for flying. The point I'm trying to make is we all have a sense of what makes us feel safe and secure. And sometimes what we perceive to make us feel safe and secure is really inadequate to do so. But in our environment here, we would probably say it's the love of God, the care of God, the way he watches over us. And there is probably no better way to see that depicted than we think of Jesus Christ as our shepherd. As our shepherd who cares for his sheep, for his people, in a way that no matter where we might be, no matter how unsettling may be the circumstance, no matter how uncomfortable we may find ourselves in situations that are new and foreign to us, Christ is there to care for us. To so many people, Psalm 23 is a favorite psalm. And it's because of the statements that David makes about the Lord taking care of us as a shepherd. You know his introduction very well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And after that introductory statement, he begins to describe 
the reality of God's daily providential care for him. If you look at Psalm 23, you will notice it says it's a psalm of David. But I'd like you to also recognize that if you look at Psalm 22, who the author of that psalm is and what do you find? It's a psalm of David. If you look over at Psalm 24, what do you find there? Who has authored it? David. Now, David did not compose these three psalms at the same occasion, but he is the author of all three. And as the book of Psalms was put together and put in its present form by Ezra, we find that these three psalms were grouped together because together they paint a beautiful picture of God's care for his people and the hope that we have. Without leaving Psalm 23, I want you to turn with me to the New Testament very quickly so you'll understand something I want to say about these three Psalms. Turn with me first to John chapter 10. Very familiar passage. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? Lays down his life for his sheep. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A psalm that pictures Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, as the good shepherd who poured out his life on behalf of his sheep and provides for them the blessing of eternal life. Interestingly enough, Psalm 22 is the most frequently quoted psalm in all of the New Testament because the recognition is without this work of Christ as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, anything else that we might talk about concerning a relationship with God is just frivolous imagination. Without the work of Christ, we are still dead in our sin. But Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, Psalm 22, who laid down his life for his sheep, who accomplished the work of redemption, and because of that will receive universal praise. Go with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter is looking at the ministry of the elders to the church. And so he says, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, and yet not as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock, so that when the chief shepherd, the principal shepherd, the primary shepherd, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. In other words, Christ coming to the earth to establish his kingdom. In Psalm 24, 
Lift up your heads, O gates, and be ye lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. In Psalm 24, it was written by David when he was bringing the ark into Jerusalem to establish it. But what it really pictures is that future coming of the chief shepherd of the sheep to establish the promised kingdom and bring in all the promised blessings to the people of God. So in Psalm 22, we have Jesus as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. In Psalm 24, we have Jesus as the chief shepherd who is coming again to establish the promised kingdom. Now go with me over to the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter uh, 13, in Hebrews 13, in verse 20, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord, do what? Equip you in every good deed to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The great shepherd of the sheep. And this great shepherd of the sheep is the one who is equipping us, working in us, to do that which is pleasing to God. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's the one who makes me to lie down. He's the one that leads me besides the still waters. He's the one who restores my soul. He is the one who makes me walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then I'm in that place, even through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why not? For you are with me. And it's your rod and your staff that comfort me. And even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. My cup overflows. Your goodness and your chesed, your loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 22, 23, and 24 have been called the the shepherd's trilogy. The three-part expression of Jesus as the shepherd. What has he done in the past? Why, he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. What will take place in the future? He is the chief shepherd who is coming again to establish the promised kingdom, Psalm 24. But in the midst of these two advents, Jesus Christ is still at work as the great shepherd who is caring for his sheep and accomplishing for us what is for our best good. So what do we learn in this? Well, we know that when we go to the book of Psalms, we are learning profound theological truths that have to do with the character of God and his work on behalf of his people. And these three Psalms together provide us with a full picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as the shepherd who cares for his people. And it isn't because mom and dad are with us. It isn't because we have the temporal resources that will take care of us. It isn't because that we are hoping in something we're familiar with, which gives us a sense of well-being. 
what I need to understand, the only thing that'll give me that sense of well-being wherever I may be and whatever may befall me is the fact that more secure is no one ever than the loved ones of the Savior. That the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd is with his people to watch over and care for them wherever they may be. And so in this psalm, what David is describing is the reality of the faithful care that the Lord has for his people. Isn't that wonderful? God never abandons us. God never is uh, apart from us. As even Satan had to confess before the Lord concerning Job, I can't touch him. You know why? Because you've put a hedge around him to protect him and keep me from him. And it's only as God in his sovereign good pleasure removes part of that hedge to bring into the experience of his children, which is always and only for our good, do we have these trials and difficulties that come. There is no better place of security. There is no better place of comfort. There is no better place in which we can find our sense of well-being than being able to say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. It doesn't mean I may have all the goods that the temporal world can offer me. It doesn't mean that there aren't times in my life when I go through times of deprivation Sometimes I need to learn the lesson that the Apostle Paul learned and mentioned when he wrote to the Philippians. He reminded them of how grateful he was of their gift to him to care for his needs. But in the fourth chapter, he said, not as if I am telling you this to stimulate you to give me another gift. Because I have learned to be content in whatever state I am in. I know how to get along with an abundance. I know how to get along with the suffering of lack or need. You know why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What I need to understand as I go through life is I don't need all the riches this world can give. What I need is what God apportions for me each day. But more importantly, the understanding and the recognition that God is with me and God will not forsake me. So if we look at some of the details in this great psalm, I want you to notice that after this introduction, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that it's really a psalm that speaks of this personal relationship that God has with his people. If you look in your Bibles and your English translation is like mine, you will notice two times David uses the word Lord. And that word Lord is in all capital letters, which means it is a reference not to God's position that is the supreme ruler, but rather his person. It is his personal name, Yahweh. He is the one that is watching over and caring for his people. Of note also is the fact that five times in this psalm, David says, he does something for me. He's the one that uh, makes me to lie down. He's the one that leads me by quiet waters. He's the one that restores my soul. He is the one that guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
And then even to make it more personal, please notice the change in the pronoun beginning in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? You are with me. And five times he uses the personal second person pronoun, you are your. And so in this psalm, David repeatedly is expressing the reality of God's watch care over him. It's almost as if in verses 1 through 3, he is bearing a testimony. You want to know something about my God? He's the one that does this. And then when David reflects upon his situations in life, he's not speaking to others who, uh, to whom he is bearing testimony. He is addressing God himself. Why is it my anxious fears can be settled? Why is it that I can have a sense of well-being in an unnerving situation? Why is it I can be a rock in the middle of a world that is falling apart all around me? You are with me. Do you see that change? Verses 1 through 3, third person, he. Verses 4 through 6, you. And when David moves from what God is generally doing in the lives of all of his children each and every day, he then looks at his circumstances and says, you know, I've had some real hard things in life. I've had some struggles that I have faced in life. And what is it that gives me the sense of well-being, the sense of security, the sense that it is well with my soul? You, yourself, are with me. God walking with his children. Now, if we look at the first uh, three verses in this psalm, what we find is that David talks about the provision that God makes for his sheep. And as he describes it, he says, basically, God provides for his temporal needs and God produces spiritual righteousness within his person. Isn't that what yours indicates? The first have to do with his temporal needs. And those temporal needs, he leads me besides quiet waters. He um, makes me to lie down in green pastures. It's looking at the sheep of having all of its personal needs met because of the care of the shepherd. And he restores my soul. But how about my daily walk? How about my spiritual need? Notice because of God's honor... God's reputation for his name's sake, what does the great shepherd of the sheep who is equipping us, who's performing in us that which is in keeping with God's will, as the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews 13, what is he doing because God's honor and God's reputation is at stake on every one of his sheep? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Got thinking, you know, in Texas, we're used to everything being driven. Cars are driven, but even more than that, cattle are driven, right? But not so in the Middle East. The shepherd goes in front of his sheep. And as Jesus said, they don't listen to another shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. In other words, God 
transforms and changes not only the character but also the conduct of his people because of his effectual grace. See, there's a way that seems right to man on how we ought to do things. But you know what the end is that the way that man thinks is right? It's always detrimental. There's a way that seems right to man, but the way is death. And so in the same way, when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, he explained to them, instead of being pressured into the mold that is true of the age in which you live, be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. And as you're in God's word, God begins to correct the ideas and the thoughts that you have about what is the right way to do things. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, and as an admonition and an encouragement to us, said, Timothy, all Scripture is breathed forth by God, and it is beneficial, it is profitable, it is for your good. For what? For correction, because you don't have all the right answers. It is good for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be completely furnished, fully equipped unto every good work. The Spirit of God, using the Word of God and the life of the child of God, begins to transform his character and the way he lives his life, that it delights the heart of God. And there is the good shepherd equipping us according to God's will, enabling us to do what pleases him. That's our great shepherd who was brought up from the dead, who in his glorified state is leading his children along in the ways that delight the heart of the father. Not that his children, this side of glory, are yet perfect, but the reality is, His children, this side of glory, are being transformed and changed more and more into the image of the Lord. It's the work of the great shepherd, who as the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, who you and I have the blessed hope to know that the chief shepherd is returning and the king of glory will come in and all the earth will see of his glory. But right now he is the great shepherd who is watching over and caring for his children. And David would say, beginning in verse 4, this great shepherd who provides both temporally and spiritually for his people is also the one that protects them as they go through life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, sometimes we think of this phrase having to do with when we come to the end of our lives. And we're facing that last enemy, death itself. But this is more of a figure of speech of what it was like in the mountainous terrain in Judea. And as individuals would travel the narrow paths through the mountains, there would be places as they would go up and down the rocky uh, terrain that the shadows would be cast. And it's the place in which individuals wanting to do harm could be hiding. That's, by the way, what happened to the individual that the Good Samaritan took care of in the parable you're familiar, told by the Lord. 
even though I walk in a place of extreme danger, is the idea behind the image. It's not just that Christ will be with his children when we face that last enemy death and no one goes there with us. We go there alone except he is there with us. But as I go through the circumstances of life that are unnerving, I don't know what to do. I'm in a place of extreme danger. I fear no evil. Why not? You're there with me. And it's the recognition of what David said in another one of his psalms. You need to be sure you're cultivating that walk with the Lord now and not waiting until your emotions are all tied up in knots and you can't think straight. You remember what he said in Psalm 34? Therefore, let everyone who is godly do what? Pray to you at a time when you may be found because when the flood comes, it won't hurt you. The flood is coming. The question is our preparedness for it. And it's cultivating that walk with the Lord so that when all around my soul gives way, you are still my anchor and stay. I fear no evil because you're with me. And it's your rod and your staff, the two implements of the shepherd. We all know the shepherd's crook, right? The staff where if the sheep began to wander off the path, he could hook them around the neck and bring them back. If they fell down over a little rocky precipice, he could lift them back up, bring them to himself. And then if the lion, the bear would come, oh, he had that club, the baseball bat, to take care of any of the sheep's enemies. Or if uh, one of the sheep was a little stubborn, like I have a tendency to be a little time, he could gently knock them on the side of the head. You're not going that way. You're following me because I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. Your rod and your staff to know that you have all the resources to pull me out of danger, to know that you're there protecting me and whatever may come, you can ward off the enemy. And the beauty of it is we live in a world that's not a friend of grace But what is it that God does? He gives and he gives and he gives again. You prepare a table uh, for me in the presence of my enemies. And how much of his giving does he pour out on his children? My cup is half empty. My cup overflows. God doesn't just give a little bit for the well-being and the care for his children. He gives and he gives and he gives again. And in his resource of grace, there is no ending to the blessings he pours out on his people. The image of the cup has to do with God's will and portion for someone in their life. Isn't that right? Remember how Jesus expressed that in the Garden of Gethsemane? If it's possible, do what? Let this cup pass from me. The cup was God's ordained will for Christ. That the one who knew no sin would become sin for us, Psalm 22, in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And the one who poured out his life on behalf of his sheep 
is the one who lavishes his people in his grace during this life. And my portion from God is that my life has been greatly enriched by the Lord my God. And as I look at his innumerable blessings upon me, I find that he continues to pour them out in abundance. My cup overflows. And so what is the situation for the children of God? Surely, that is, think about this. You can count on this. This is the absolute truth that you can rest in. Goodness, tov, what is beneficial, what is wholesome, what is for your well-being will follow you how long? All the days of your life. God isn't going to pour out what's for your benefit today and withhold it from you tomorrow. His goodness is going to be showered on his children day after day after day after day, all the days of my life. And not only that, but my version says his loving kindness, that is his chesed, clear your throat a little bit, his covenant faithfulness, his loyal love to faithfully fulfill whatever he has promised to his people. You understand the God that we have the privilege of calling our Father is the one who is supreme over all things. There is nothing too hard for him to figure out and understand. His wisdom is incomprehensible. There is no problem that we face that's too big for him. This is the omnipotent God who can marshal all the power that's necessary be it to still the Sea of Galilee and tell the wind to be still or to take care of what need you or I might have as we go through life. It's a lesson Abraham had to learn when God asked Abraham to do something and Abraham said, how can this be? And God's answer to Abraham was, you know what? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And then you have that godly prophet Jeremiah who was living at the time of the devastation of Jerusalem when the Babylonians were coming in to conquer and God said, Jeremiah, you know, real estate is cheap now. I want you to go buy your uncle's land. And he said, Lord, this doesn't seem like the right time to buy it. And God said to Jeremiah, in 70 years, Israel will be back here. You go buy it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And see, when you face your big problems and you become overwhelmed, God's asking you the same question. Which is bigger, your problem or me? Am I not faithful to my word? Once I have spoken, that's what I'll do. And the promise he's made to you, his child, is what? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The promise he's made to you, his child, is that I will be faithful to my covenant promise to you. I am going to conform you to the image of Christ. I am going to bring into your life that which is for your good. I am going to work all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Surely God's providing what is beneficial, his goodness and his loyal faithfulness to his promise, his covenant love, his chesed will follow me. How long? All the days of my life. 
And ultimately, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The blessing of knowing that I'll be in his presence to enjoy him, to worship him, to experience that unending joy that he gives to his children. That's the great shepherd of the sheep. And I don't know what you have for your sense of comfort and feeling of security as you go through life. But I want to tell you, if it's relationships you have with other people, they're going to let you down. I want to tell you that if your hope is in your temporal hoarded resources, they're not going to be adequate. But if the great shepherd of the sheep is your rock and your foundation, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I would be remiss if I didn't point out one important part of this psalm. David did not say the Lord is a shepherd. It's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. And I cannot claim the blessings of Psalm 23 if I have not been washed in the blood of the good shepherd of Psalm 22. And I cannot look forward to the coming of Christ and receiving me to himself and all the blessings that unfold if I do not have my confidence and my trust in the only name given among men whereby we might be saved, even Jesus Christ the Lord. He is the solid rock. Everything else is sinking sand. It's only those who trust in him that can have this wonderful assurance as they go through life and they wait for his coming. In Psalm 22, it's a remembrance. He is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. And this one who is the good shepherd that laid down his life for his sheep says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And you remember the last part of it? And they shall never perish the work of the good shepherd. And the good shepherd is coming again. But then he'll be the exalted chief shepherd who rules over all. And Jerusalem will receive its promised king. And the king of glory will enter the gates of Jerusalem and establish that promised kingdom that God has declared from Genesis through Revelation that yet awaits his people. But if I am one that can say, the Lord is my good shepherd who died for me, if I am one who can say, the Lord is my blessed hope as the chief shepherd who's coming again to establish his kingdom, then I am the one who can also say, the Lord is my great shepherd who walks with me each day, who cares for me, who provides me with a sense of security and well-being that I need not fear whatever befall me because he is there to watch over, protect, provide, and keep me unto eternal glory. Thanks be to God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your 
word and how it shows us more of your greatness and your glory and how I pray that each one who is uh, hears the things that we've studied today that that man, woman, boy or girl can say with David the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want how we thank you for your indescribable gift how we thank you that you not only have removed the sins of your people as far as the east is from the west and you will remember them against us no more but how we thank you dear father that in Jesus Christ our Lord as our wonderful shepherd you provide for us protect us and guide and direct us each day all to your honor and glory and for the well-being of your children how we thank you for the great shepherd of the sheep even Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray amen